0: This is the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Eves, and Stacey Ross. Special Wednesday edition with Thanksgiving tomorrow. Hope everyone's excited. Now, uh, I know we need to start with the game, but Dave, I actually have to call you out. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we're doing this now. um, What did I do? Well, Dave, it's what you didn't do. And that was uh, have a good opinion about (laughs) Thanksgiving food because Jake said that the best Thanksgiving dish was gravy. Jake, gravy is not a dish. Gravy is. is. No, Dave, this is the problem, you guys. The answer for instance could be stuffing. Maybe you like uh I like cheese. stuffing. Casserole. Turkey I would accept as an answer even though it's incredibly dry. Your answer is gravy?
1: Would you just eat turkey just by itself without any gravy on it? Would you ever be that Not on insane? Purpose. Would that you have you would potatoes do that? by itself?
2: Yes. No. Yes. No, you put, gravy you put gravy on it. I, I, would, you know, on
1: it.
0: I mean, sure, but I'm just saying like you can't eat gravy by itself.
2: Uh, <laughs> debatable. All right, all if, right. If you if you if you, if you do like it soup. right, and then also have turkey chunks in it, and you, you do go. it right. Oh God, you guys are yes. disgusting.
0: All right, well, we're gonna have Quandre digs on. Gravy uh, is on the, the most today. important
2: aspect of a Thanksgiving. Oh, we'll by see the way,
0: he agrees with your awful take,
2: Shannon. If you're
1: listening, get corn. I got I gotta have corn in my mashed potatoes and gravy. <laughs> Love that.
0: Gosh. All right, all right. Well, let's let's. Uh, Spend not too much time looking back on this game because it, it wasn't a pretty one, certainly not offensively. But then we've got to look ahead to the game against Washington football, that one on Monday night. So we'll start with this. The Seahawks now 3-7. and seven, Not a place we thought this team would be, nor a place they thought they would be. Um, has there been a reoccurring issue that you think they can fix this year?
1: I do. I I yeah. think the question to me is, and we've been talking about this on our show with uh, on Wyman and Bob, what... Do you think they have enough talent? Like, Dwayne Brown is very talented. Damian Lewis is talented. Um, And look, how many teams have, like, at every position, you have, like, exactly what you want? Not many. Not many. But, you know, Gerald Everett, I've entirely changed my opinion on. Like, he is, like, superstar status. That dude. And he reflects what should happen on this team. Like, the way he plays, that's how everybody should play. He's angry. You should be angry. You're yeah. three and seven. I love the way he plays. I love the way Quandre Diggs plays, who you guys we're going to talk to later. Um, you know, J- uh, Jamal Adams is starting to come around. I mean, you just look at the talent that you have. There's enough. There's enough talent. It's just that you know we're last year they were saying the same thing on defenses. Hey, we're not playing together. You know, we need to get it together. We need, but it eventually came together. And I just, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting right. for them to. You know, and I, I know that they've had a couple of good games where things have repaired a little bit, but they don't have the takeaways, they don't have the sacks, um, you know. That, and and the reason why they're so good turnover ratio because they're, you know, in the positive side is because the offense is taking care of the ball.
2: Yeah, so at least the one good thing that they are doing, yeah. right? Uh, you look at this from an offensive perspective as well, and and right now they have no identity. They have no thing that they truly hang their hat on in regards to – you know whether it's the running game whether it's the quarterback and Russell Wilson whether it's the style in which they play are they a you know um, are they a tempo team like what what are they and that to me is being in between is the worst thing that you could possibly be offensively and with these next 7 games that's what they've got to establish they've got to find something that hey this is what we do well this is what we think we can do and Shane Waldron this is what you were brought in here to do and Establish that over these next seven games and really go for it. That to me is what I'm going to be looking at. And Dave, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about is the aspect of, you've always talked about being physical, playing violently. I I see it from, you know, stylistically, approach wise, you know, going from being passive, being tentative, um, trying to survive through a game rather than thrive in a game and being the aggressor, you know, whether that's offense or defense.
1: Let me ask you guys a question: mm-hmm. Is Alex Collins good enough to win with? I think so. Yeah, you think so, yeah. Stace?
0: I think he's really talented, but I think that Pete Carroll's offense is best suited to a running back like Carson.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, obviously, I'd love to have Carson. Yeah. I, I just, I think Alex Collins is talented enough. Yeah. I, I think he, I think he, you can win with him, and you know that they didn't really. I mean, Pete talked about after the Green Bay game. I think they had 17 carries instead of 11. So didn't really get to that, you know, nice blend. And remember going into that game, Arizona, that's what they have going. They were like four plays away from being perfectly balanced. And the Seahawks, you know, time of possession is way askew. And, then, and yep. that has to do with the running game. But so is, uh, you know, the run pass. It's, you know, it needs to get more back to even. So, and I, I do think Alex Collins is, is good enough to, to win games and certainly to beat the Washington football team. He's good enough.
0: Let's talk about the Washington football team. They're coming off of two wins. Seahawks going to be a one-point underdog there at FedEx Field. Uh, Washington is coming off a win week 10 over Tampa Bay and week 11 over Carolina. Uh, This is a bit of a different team than we saw last year. They're a bit better on offense, not as good on defense. What are the Seahawks in store for here?
2: Well, I, I personally, from what I see, is Taylor Heineke, their quarterback, is playing really well. Dave, I I describe him as a younger, more athletic version of Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I just he is such a hot and cold quarterback in this league. And when he's hot, uh, he can pick up first downs with his legs. Uh, he's willing to you know make some risky throws and and uh, it, it, and is going for it and can really really be effective in this league. Um, but there are times where obviously, if you rattle him, you get to him. You can do that easily and effectively, uh, he will look like a backup quarterback in this league. And so, that to me is one thing that, that really is going to be the key for the defense. And then, offensively, you know, Dave, you talked about, um, you know, the balance in this game. Uh, it's going to be a unique challenge for them because the one thing that Washington, the Washington football team does well is their run defense. They're one of the best rush defenses in the league this year, um, and, and they're one of the worst passing defenses in the league this year. So, I'll be curious to see how that. Ends up coming together for this offense, but they are going to need to try and test that rush defense for Washington.
1: Yeah, and and you know you look at um, the two defensive ends, Montez Sweat and uh, Chase Young, guys both out. Yeah, and you know, but remember last year going in there, they had like four, they had actually five first rounders on their defensive line. I'm trying to remember the guy, uh, Ryan, uh, the guy who was not starting. Anyway, oh Carrigan, Carrigan, thank oh, yeah. you, uh, and he he was a, a first rounder as well, but a couple of injuries there. But you know, this is a typical Ron Rivera team. They're good at the line of scrimmage, mm. right? Their rush defense is, as you mentioned, number six, and then their their run game is is pretty decent. It's it's number ten. So yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be one of those punch you in the mouth type of games, and that's where we talk about being physical. You know, where do you – and you said hang your hat offensively. Where, what about defensively? You know, I've been saying this for two weeks. It's Is it sacks? No. Is it takeaways? No. And so what? what's it going to be? You know, it, it's going to be – it's got to be, look, hit people. Hit people. Start there and then, you know, and be more physical. And then, you know, that's where you win at the line of scrimmage because that's what it's going to be like in this game.
0: Is there a way you can incorporate that into a passing attack? Because Washington is ranked – 28th against the pass and I guess you just hope that Seattle doesn't take the same approach it did against the number one Saints running defense where it just felt like they were running into a wall all of a sudden they're targeting uh DK Metcalf late in the game and and you realize that's good I mean how do they mix it up a little bit more than they did in that loss because you're once again facing a good run defense it's not that you can't run the ball Mm -hmm. but how do they mix it up just a bit more
2: I know this flies in the face of normal conventional football but (laughs) I'm just tired of of the idea, at this point in the season, all of a sudden this group becoming a well-efficient, you know, turned-around, third-down offense, I don't think they're going to be that. Could they be it? Would that be great to see in the final seven games? Yeah, it would. Um, and so to avoid that situation with the Saints, what I would say is is that what do you do well offensively? What does your quarterback do well offensively this year statistically? does really well in play-action pass. And he is the best quarterback in terms of um, in terms of yards per attempt on first down. Uh, He is also first in generating first downs on first down. So what does that mean? I believe that what they need to do on first and second down is they need to be a little bit more aggressive in terms of passing the football and then incorporating the run game. So does it? And when I say that is. The best way, the best recipe is to avoid third down as much as possible for this offense. And and you have to, while doing that, keep the running game connected. And I agree, Dave, that the amount of carries that Alex Collins gets is going to be very important. But you can't have the approach that you did against the Saints where you're going to line up in heavy personnel and you're going to play smash mouth football offensively you've got to you've got to be creative in your run game you got to you've got to use the passing game to set up the run game in this circumstance which flies in the face of conventional football but i think that that unfortunately is where they're at offensively to really try and get something sparked and get something going
0: all right we're gonna have uh, Robert Turbin joining us for a preview of this game Steve Rabel voice of the Seahawks uh, we're gonna have an opponent preview Pete Carroll you'll hear from him at the podium very excited also to talk to Quandre Diggs he'll join us later this hour coming up at twelve forty-five. so let's not wait anymore we'll get to Pete Carroll's press conference take you there live next uh, so, if you're looking at what Washington's offense brings, you got a different quarterback this year, at least for your regular starter. Uh, you saw Heineke last year with them, but uh, you've got a great wide receiver. Um, they're they're uh, hot on a two-game win streak. Um, you've got—I don't know if J.D. McKissick is is healthy, but he's been solid for them. I mean, what, yep. what are we looking at here with this group?
1: Yeah, he's got—he's uh, played in 10 games. I—I I miss that guy. He's yeah, great. He, he really is, and he's got 182 yards rushing. But he also catches the ball. Um, he's their second leading receiver. He's got 371 yards. So yeah, and and Heineke, I'll be here interested to hear from you, Jake. That you know he he looks like. I mean, he's what 66 percent completion, and 15 touchdowns, nine interceptions, been sacked 22 times. But I don't know. He's he's gotten it done. Um, it's, it's been it's been fun watching that kid. He's got a lot of. Moxie, and you see him getting fired up, on
2: the, and he's a, he's a leader on this team. He really is, and he's somebody that has made the most of his opportunity. And, and when you look at him play, I mean, like I said before, I, I really believe that he is a younger, more athletic version of Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, and I say that in a, in a compliment, not, not a negative. And so you see during the year where he's really struggled, he's made some really bad turnovers uh, throughout the year. But the last couple games, he has been absolutely on fire. He's been throwing in rhythm. He's been trusting his eyes, understanding his outlets, understanding where he needs to go with the football, um, and getting the ball to his playmakers. And one of the other things that's very underrated about Heineke is his legs. He is a mobile guy. He is somebody that, with everything covered, that he can take off and and make you pay and and really – Convert with first down. So I think that when you have somebody like that, that is playing confidently, that uh, is feeling like they're in rhythm, they they their play heightens even more and they're willing to, uh, you know, throw into tighter coverages and really force the issue. And that gives you opportunities as a Seahawks defense to maybe come up with some turnovers. But if he's on rhythm and he's feeling it, he's going to be a problem he's going to be a problem for the Seahawks defense because there's enough playmakers on this Washington football offense that uh, he he has to distribute the football to from re- receivers, tight ends, running backs. So this can quickly become a unique challenge. And Dave, one of the other things you talk about physicality, Washington football team's got a really good offensive line.
1: Yeah, at, yeah. at, the, at the line of scrimmage. And that's really the way um, Ron Rivera has, has built this team and that's the way he builds teams it's kind of interesting um you know he's the sort of the become the face of that franchise and that's a this is a troubled franchise you know with with the owner and all of the things that have gone on there and I gotta say they brought in the right guy uh I mean Ron Rivera I don't know if you guys know this I played against him in college he was a Cal linebacker and um and actually during the big game one time Tell this story probably every year. Every time I talk about Ron Rivera, but it's uh, there was a fight on the sidelines, and I went running over there like I was going to be a tough guy. I was like a sophomore at Stanford. Bench and is clearing. I'm come come running over there, and he turns and looks at me and goes, "Go back to your sidelines." And I was like, "Yes, sir." <laughs> Turned and <laughs> hightailed it back. But I, he just has that kind of command, and and I really looked up to him because, like at that time, it was Jack Del Rio was in the uh, USC, right? Dwayne Bickett. And then, you know, there was Ron Rivera at Cal. And so, yeah, I always looked up to him. And I know he was a a big part of that Chicago team. I mean, he didn't play a ton. He was a linebacker there. But, you know, just he has that kind of command. And then, you know, he beats cancer. And you see that whole thing. And, you know, he he really has – he's become like – that's the guy you want. When you think of the Washington football team, you don't want to think about Dan Snyder. You want to think – Ron Rivera is our guy. All right.
0: right. And joining us right now is Quandre Diggs, uh, safety for the Seattle Seahawks, obviously. Quandre, how are you?
3: I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys doing?
0: Uh, We're fantastic. I'm actually really excited for this interview because we heard from your teammate uh, that you're a talker, not just a talker, but like a nonstop, never-ending trash talker. Can you confirm?
3: I I wouldn't confirm that. Well, I don't. it, It depends. It depends on the day.
0: I don't know, Quandre. I mean, this is what this is what Ryan Neal had to say on with us. Does he talk as much trash in person as he does on Twitter? Because he's oh, like he a don't, champ.
3: He don't stop. He don't stop. It's 24-7. I mean, if, if Quandre were to get put in the casket, you'll
4: probably hear mumbling from the casket. I mean, he's just, he just not going off.
3: <laughs> That's false. <laughs> <laughs> that's false i talk trash to him but oh that's only him
2: <laughs> only him okay sure sure Quandre,
1: well, i i like to think that you talk trash to the people that deserve it right
3: no question
4: no question <laughs> if you you know if
3: you was if, if you if you chilling like myself then i don't have to say nothing to you <laughs> but you know, you get to talking a little too much. I have to talk trash to you.
2: Well, well Quandre, I thought I was chilling uh, on my drive back one day, one no, Friday, Quandre, and then all of a sudden this was Quandre, the right Quandre thing Diggs, to do uh, is tweeting at me, saying that, you know, posting videos of me throwing interceptions to him. I'm like, what did I do? I thought we were cool. <laughs>
3: hey, man. Hey, you know, just a little love out there. You know, it popped up on my time hop. I just had to make it be known, you
2: know. That's exactly right. Was, uh, oh, <laughs> man. More, hey, Quandre, you know – you know, getting to you know, the football side of things, man, I, I know that this has been, you know, uh, up and down ride and, and everything else, but you know, where are you guys at? What are the conversations you guys having as you're looking at the final seven games and what you guys are, are really wanting to accomplish?
3: I mean, right now it's just take it one week at a time. You know, what I mean, you can't uh you can't put your head down, you know, and sulk and, and about it because the team we play this week they don't really care. So us, you know, it's just one week at a time, one step at a time, one day at a time, and um, just let whatever plays out plays out, and, you know, I think we have an a upbeat, um, upbeat uh, vibe going to us, and we know that we can play better than we've been playing, and um, hopefully we can get this thing turned around this week on Monday Night Football.
0: Hey, Quandre, you're no stranger to making interceptions. You've been leading this team, and you're leading the team right now. You're closing in on matching a career high, which is all very exciting to watch. But has there ever been a pick that you made where you caught it and thought, oh, my, I can't believe I just made this pick? Did that happen for sure?
3: Um, I like to consider myself a playmaker. So, you know, I don't want <laughs> right, to be one of those right. guys that that's surprised when I catch the ball. You know what I mean? I think every – Opportunity, the ball is in my direction. I think is my is the ball is for me. So, um, I wouldn't say I've normally been surprised. I think probably my first interception of my career, I would I caught it and I just kind of turned around and looked to make sure it wasn't any flags on the play because that's happened to me before and um, I got my 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 interception called back.
0: What was your favorite pick that you've made?
3: Oh, I would say probably my most difficult pick. I wouldn't say my favorite. Okay. My most difficult pick was. Uh, I want to say 2018 with the Lions, my first year, four year at safety um, against the Rams. It was like a post ball. We were in quarters and golf through it to um, Brandon Cooks. And I caught the ball by, like, the back of the ball. You know I mean? One of those difficult catches, like, kind of like the one Josh Gordon caught against Carolina
2: a few years ago. I caught it like that. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Yep.
3: Yeah, it was it was a real difficult catch, but you know, I tried to make it make it look easy.
2: Well, I hope the one that you had against uh the the uh, the Rams this year where you uh you caught the one from Matt Stafford and toe-tapped on the sideline, you got the two feet in. I hope you were telling the receivers pro feet on that one.
3: Oh, no question. You know what I mean? I will <laughs> take notes. I, I it, it's crazy because Calvin Johnson texted me after the game and it was like, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I used to always make a joke with Calvin and be like, these hands are second to none, and that includes you. And he used to always <laughs> laugh at me. And, you know, I mean, it's cool when, you know, Hall of Fame and one of your former teammates uh, text you after the game and, you know, kind of congratulate you on the pick.
2: Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, you know, Quandre, this is something you talked about in the off season, and, you know, I'm I'm going to hype you up here a little bit, so you, you don't need to necessarily respond to this. But in my opinion, you have been the best defensive player on this team in terms of, you know, being on your P's and Q's, Uh, you know, the leadership, everything that you've brought into the Seattle Seahawks this year. Um, And you talked about in the offseason how you you didn't get a lot of the the credit you deserve and and rankings and different things. And one of the things I loved hearing you say was, look, the film doesn't lie. I I watch the film. I know what I do. I know what I put on tape. Everybody else sees it. You know, what kind of pride does that have for you when you are putting a, a good product on tape?
3: I mean, it's it's my name, you know, what I mean, that's what I play for, you know, what I mean, I play for my play for my teammates, I play for, you know, God of course, I play uh for my family, but I play for my name, you know, what I mean I can't go out there and um hold the last name digs and and know that means something to my family and, you know, put poor tape on film and um, you know, you have a bad game here and there and then you just bounce back and you know, you make sure it doesn't happen again. So for me, you know, I mean, it's really important to go out there each and every week, put that on the table and let guys know that, you know, I mean, I'm just not a one-dimensional safety, you know. I can do everything, and that's running the alley, um, you know, that's creating turnovers. Um, you know, I mean, that's bringing intensity and leading my team and um, lining guys up and doing certain things like that. You know, I, I want to be a guy that that's looked upon as my teammates know what I'm, what I'm going to do and what I'm going to be each and every week.
0: Hey, Quandra, you mentioned Calvin Johnson texting you after one of those picks. And speaking of Calvin Johnson, I remember this story coming out that was making the rounds where DK Metcalf uh, gets a little frustrated, a little uh a little bothered by a, a coach telling him, "Hey, maybe you can be as good as him one day." But do you think he gets as mad if a coach tells DK, "Hey, maybe you can have hands as good as Quandre one day?" Because that, to me, <laughs> that's that's quite
3: flattering. Oh man, I think somebody should tell him that. And, I think he should. <laughs> Yeah, I guarantee you he wouldn't like that. Oh man, this is the last thing we need
2: to feed the Quandre. (laughs) All right, all right. Well Quandre, (laughs) thank you
0: so much for joining us, man. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving and good luck on Monday, man. It's been fun watching you this season.
2: No
3: doubt. Thank you guys for having me. Y'all have a happy Thanksgiving also. You 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 too, too,
2: Quandre.
0: All right, uh, we still got Pete Carroll coming Man, up a bit won. later in the show. He's a blast. I would love for someone to be like, you know, Quandre, or you know, DK. What you're doing is fine, but you just, <laughs> have you ever thought about watching Quandre's tape? Just, just watch the toe taps. You know yeah. what I mean? The catches. It's unbelievable. The chemistry between Quandre and quarterback. It's phenomenal. <laughs> All right, don't go anywhere. More of the huddle coming your way next. This is the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jay Keeps, and Stacey Ross. Pete Carroll speaking with reporters. We'll take you there live now.
5: Uh, on this holiday week, um, we'd like to you know, send our wishes out for everybody to have a great Thanksgiving and a chance to get together with your family and the loved ones, and hope everybody can stay safe and and, uh, and take care of each other and, and, and all of that. Um, we'll have a chance to, to get our guys uh, an opportunity tomorrow uh, to celebrate Thanksgiving, which I'm, I'm grateful for that we're playing Monday night. It works out well, um, but we want to send out a you know a really good thought about the gratitude and about. Appreciate one another and that's that's kind of where we started today um, uh, We get um, a, a matchup with with Washington and uh, that the, We find them at a time when they played two really good football games against good teams and got good solid wins and uh, I'm sure they're feeling really excited about th- where they're going and um, you know, they, they looked really solid and a really well balanced team very much like we've seen Ron's teams over the years You know where they're good on teams, they're good on defense, and they 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 move it on offense, and they have a a real nice uh, a real nice system going. And so, um, we're up against a good club, and uh, you know, unfortunately, we catch them when they're where they're hot and they're going and, and all that. We have got to do a really nice job this week and, and learn, really it still feels like a new team to us, even though we played them a year ago. Um, it still feels like a new team with some new faces and stuff uh, planned for them. So we've got to learn them and make sure we do a nice job adapting this week and, and get our plan ready. We got a lot of work to do and uh, we have our, our hopes are, are high to, to really play good football and get a good game under uh, you know, on, on this Monday night coming up and, and looking forward, always looking forward to those you know, those fun opportunities go across the country. It's been pretty good to us so in the past. We're gonna try to make it good again.
6: Balance that Washington has shown. They're
4: coming off their two best games.
5: What else is it about the way that their offense has turned recently? Well, uh, Taylor Heineke is playing good. You know, he's playing good football for him. He's been real resourceful. Um, he, he's a good. He, he's obviously in charge of their offense and can throw all of the stuff they're asking him to throw. But he he's uh, he's run the ball forty something times. You know, and he's got a good good average there. He's uh, he, not just escaping on scrambles but reading you know reading option opportunities and stuff like that he does a good job so he's a he's a, truly a double threat for, for us in that regard and, and uh you know antonio's a really good running back uh terry's a terrific receiver you know they uh you know the, every everywhere you look they've got players that can do good stuff and they're they're a little banged up too you know on the defensive side of the ball with a couple really highlighted players out but they've played really well and and, and adapted well already so um you know, they're, they're just, they they just got their act together and they look like a good football team, like I said.
6: With Terry, he leads the league in contested catches. How would you see him? I guess, what makes. That
5: such a skill set of his. He's really fast, so he's always got the kind of he's got the edge on on the opportunities always. Uh, he's a really good athlete, really powerful, uh, explosive athlete that gets off the ground really well. And and is he's, he's, he's real, you can see and feel the strength of him. You know he doesn't get knocked around when he's going to play the ball. And so uh, um, they they know how to put the ball up to him and, and utilize him. He's just been. He's been legitimately, you know, what people thought he would be coming out of the draft. You know, and he's a big-time player. You expect D.J. Reed back this week. Um, he, we'll see if he pra- he's gonna practice today. We'll see how he does. You know, and uh, we'll let you know. Well, I, this is a day we don't have to really commit on the injuries and stuff. So um, uh, we really won't have many updates, but we'll see how that goes. How so on- I'll, when we have our press conference tomorrow, we can talk about it. Okay. How's Rashad? We're not commenting on injuries right now because we, we don't have to. So, I don't, I don't have any updates for you. Sorry.
4: How would you assess um, Shane Waldron? Just I know it's been a weird year with you no know, Russell for a few games and all that kind of stuff. But just when you look at yeah, of- it's been a
5: challenge. It's just been a challenging year for us. You know, we haven't been as as consistent as we wanted to be. And and uh, we have a lot of things that we can do in our offense and a lot of stuff that we that we really like. we have to you know, be able to reap the benefits of, of those opportunities. But you know, by com- Completing our drives, you know, and that goes back to the third down stuff, as well as our efficiency on first and second down. But it, the the easy focus for us is to look at third down and see that you know if we make two or three more a game, it gives us two or three more drives, you know, and that that's what we need. So um, I, I think it's been a real challenge for him in, in that you know the quarterback moving out and the tailbacks not being available and and, and all that um, as we had planned it, you know, and so um, but. I, I think he's doing a really good job. I, I love the work and, and, and the approach and the style and what we're trying to get done. And I'm very hopeful that we're going to see us really take off in the, in the last seven weeks here. When you, when you look at some of
4: those third downs, I think Monday you said you have got to get the ball to Gerald, Tyler, DK. When you look at those third downs. Why isn't that happening?
5: No, we haven't converted. You know, it's one reason or another. You know, it's whether it's the. It's the opportunity. It's the throw. It's the, you know the, we, that's what we've intended to do the whole time, and so I'm I'm disappointed that I can't tell you that we're getting it done. So that's re, re, you know we uh, are resigned to the thought that that's a really good thought, and so we're going to keep working on it. Coach, what do you how do
1: you how do you work on that in practice? Is it a change of philosophy? Is it just better execution? What what do you work on
5: specifically? We we work on it every week, and so it's that's not the part that we can change a whole lot because we're already getting the reps and all. We, we've got to execute better, and. Uh, and, and, and hit it, you know. And, and so, got to get Russ in a groove, and got to get those guys in the groove too, so that we're really counting on each other to, to come through when the time calls for it.
1: Simplifying of anything in terms of the game plan
5: and that. Or? Often, often simplifying is is a way we go, you know. And to you know to make sure that we're getting enough turns, enough reps at stuff. And so, uh, uh, we have we have trimmed some things a little bit um, in the last couple of weeks. So we're, we're hoping that we'll you know reap the benefits of that.
4: Uh, Quandre is leading the NFC in Pro Bowl votes uh, right now for free safeties
5: the season he's had. Tell me what he, what is he leading in? NFC
1: free safeties and Pro Bowl votes.
5: Oh okay, yeah. Well, um, I, I think he he shows who he is every time we go out. He shows that he's a, he's a terrific deep defender. He's an alley player that that just shows up with such uh, style, you know. And there's only a couple guys in the league that, that play like he plays. Uh, his tackling has been excellent. Uh, his playmaking has been really good, and he continues to be. You know, it's obvious that he's a really good player. More than that, uh, you know, th- this isn't what the vote generates, but uh, his leadership f- for us and you know, with our guys, and keeping it together and running the show back there is really is really apparent, and, and uh, uh, it's great that he's getting recognized. When it comes
6: to snaps across the defensive line, Alton Robinson hasn't seen a whole lot of time. To- Is that something you would like to see more of? Is it just a function of you? We would like to see
5: him more on third downs, yeah. We want to see him in the passing situations and when we're in the two-minute situations and in third-down situations, he's going to get more turns.
0: All right, everything you need to know from Pete Carroll's press conference, plus another preview for this game, coming your way next on The Huddle. This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Easton, Stacey Ross. We are getting you guys ready for the Seahawks upcoming game, a Monday night game against the Washington football team. We've got a couple updates from Pete Carroll in that last segment. Let's run you through and we'll start with this one. An injury update. Cornerback DJ Reed, who missed last week with a groin injury, will practice. So Dave, I'll start with you with this one. What's gonna be the goal for this cornerback group in particular now that they're heading into a season without Trey Brown?
1: Yeah, it's too bad because he he was playing so well. I mean, he was playing as much like a veteran as any veteran. But um, I like what I saw to Sidney Jones. I mean, look, as long yeah. as they can get D.J. Reed back. And we talked to Sidney the other day. Um, he had a couple of really nice tackles and some good plays. And, you know, he caught that interception the other day. I mean, it's just technically the ball hits the ground, but he was still controlling the ball. So, um, but, yeah, I think that's, that's something that was probably the biggest question mark. I mean, look where they have bent. I mean, they went from Akilah Witherspoon. I just looked up his stats. He's in Pittsburgh, and I think he has, like, I don't know, 25 snaps or something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't think Trey Flowers has played yet. So, And and I loved Trey, but he just couldn't figure it out. He couldn't figure out how to get out of his own head. But, you know, I always thought DJ Reed was the best cover guy. But I never – you know, I didn't even know about – Trey Brown I just was he was a question mark the only thing that was that kind of clued you in is that Pete during camp said he didn't make any mistakes and I have to say well, do you guys remember him making a mistake I mean I don't Trey, I didn't yeah
0: not until he was uh that play that he was injured I he think got he, he got kind of beat there but he was injured yeah. and it's hard to tell uh, I think
1: the injury itself yes is what stopped yes. him from making the play yeah. so um yeah and that was that was it and it's just a shame because, I mean, he's done for the year, Patel, uh, tendon surgery.
0: Let's look at uh, up front. Pete Carroll was asked about Carlos Dunlap, who played, I think, a season low in snaps. And, you know, he was asked, hey, was he injured? He said, no, that's just how the game plan went. Uh, Jake, I'll go to you for this one. Are you surprised by how Carlos's season has started? And how do you think that pass rush as a whole can get right?
2: Yeah, <laughs> I'm very surprised. I mean, everybody here was excited about bringing Carlos Dunlap back. I mean, we all <laughs> saw the impact that he had for this team and the his ability at his size to be able to, bull rush and collapse the pocket and uh, you know a couple times he literally ran over tackles to to get sacks and you're just not seeing that from him and and Carlos Dunlap I mean he was on with you guys uh uh you know was it last week or yeah. two weeks ago and he alluded to the uh, to the fact that he's playing a different role and Dave I wanted to ask you have you seen him being put in a different role this year than compared to last because I still see him get opportunities on the edge in passing situations and um, I, I just don't see him winning the one-on-one battles like he did a year ago.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, remember the sack he had in uh, Buffalo where he just bull rushed the guy? Yes. You know, and, and I remember with one hand he's bull rushing the tackle, and the other hand he's grabbing Josh Allen, who's a big dude, and got him on the ground. So, yeah, that has been the case. Um, I think also he said in his interview, I, didn't, I don't want to read anything into it. He seemed, Bob thought he seemed a little bit irritated, but – He said, yeah, I'm not getting very tired because they're really limiting my reps. And if you go and look, well, the reason why he left Cincinnati and got himself out of there was because of a lack of reps. So, you know, he said he didn't get too tired. So I'm not sure of that. The other question I have is I'm just – I'm not a big fan of the zone blitz where you're dropping off defensive linemen back into into coverage. Can you
0: explain just as a pause why specifically uh, you don't like
1: it? Well, I don't like it because you have defensive linemen dropping back into – pass zones, Mm -hmm. and they don't really know what they're doing. Um, I mean, look, I'm not saying it's so complicated you can't pick it up, but that's not what they do for a living. The other thing, just in general, most guys will tell you, most defensive linemen, that they could give a rip about an interception. You know, we talked to Daryl Taylor, and I'm like, hey, so you're going to be dropping, maybe get some interceptions? He goes, interceptions don't get you paid. Sacks get you paid. It's true. Sacks get you paid. So, you know, that's why they're some of the highest paid guys in the league. They want to get after the quarterback. But also, just when you drop back into a zone, especially if it's Brian Monet and Al Woods, no offense to those guys. I mean, look, Puna Ford, but those aren't the most fleet of foot guys back in a zone, You know, and you have to kind of shuffle right. and turn and run. And the other thing is just pattern recognition. As a linebacker, when you're in zone, you're, your eyes are 90% of the time on the quarterback, and you sort of have to feel what's going on behind you. Like, if they run a little check down in front of you and sit them down at five yards... You know, the greedy quarterback does not want to throw the 5-yard checkdown. He wants to throw the 15-yard dig route. And so when you jump that, and the ball goes over your head. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, you you want you want those guys biting on those right. underneath routes. So. Well,
2: and, and the reason why they've gone to that more so than any other time that I call it a fire zone blitz and, you know, they talking about uh, you know, dropping uh, linemen into coverage, the reason why they're doing that and electing to when they bring pressure to play zone is because, for the most part, they haven't been as confident in the corners and everyone else, Jamal Adams. uh, You see why at different times, especially that last drive of the game against the Cardinals, um, playing in man-to-man situations, putting those guys in man-to-man situations on a consistent basis, and that's not who they've been in their history. They have been a zone-heavy team, and when they want to bring five, when they want to bring six, they are going to play man-to-man. And, and so it's been unique to see them try to figure it out this way. And then the other thing is that they don't disguise it well at all. They tell the whole world, hey, Jamal Adams is going to come or somebody else is going to you know, come in the, and Benson Mayo or the defensive, defensive end on the other side is going to drop. So that, that part of it just hasn't worked. And I would rather them just be aggressive and just go for it. Yeah, you're going to put yourself in man-to-man, but you got to live and die by trying to generate some pressure. That's a great point, Jake, because usually you do that to surprise them. You surprise
1: the offense because they're counting and going, okay, i got to block this guy. You go back and all of a sudden, oh, he's dropping back into zone. But that has not been the case. It's not like been a surprise to opposing offenses. And so, yeah, that, that one, I mean, look, I'm not the defensive coordinator. I get it. This goes back to when I played. This goes back to when I played and, you know, look, sometimes you substitute a corner, a safety as a pass rusher. Instead of the lineman, you drop him out of there. That's that way you it gives you a way to blitz and not have to play man. Mm. And so but yeah, it just doesn't it just doesn't work because, I mean, most defensive tackles are going to drop back and they're going to cover a seven yard patch of grass. What
0: would you love to see them do a bit more of instead? I mean, the the implications obvious, but what would you love to see them do more defensively if it means doing less of that?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I, I liked the scheme last year where, you know, they just had the four guys and the Leo coming off the edge. You know, they've got kind of a five man front going and a lot of times they'll drop both guys out and just rush three, the three inside guys. And those aren't your I mean, your best premier pass rushers. You know, I mean, it's Monet Woods. I mean, Monet had a great game. He had a sack and a half. Right. I was really happy for him. Those guys are typically the grinders in there. And, and with all that said, I think, like, Al Woods has been a hero on this defense. I know he jumped off sides on the field goal. Everybody got angry about that. But, I mean, he has been just yeoman's work inside. I mean, he's always – how many times you see his 99 jerseys, like, yeah. all twisted <laughs> around? Shout out to the
0: inside guys. Oh, <laughs> Never man. get love.
1: Yeah, so I love that for Monet that he got a sack and a half. That was nice. But – you know, just – I'd like to see a little bit more of what we saw last year because remember, at the end of the year, whatever they were doing, they got 37 sacks yep, in the right. last 10 games.
0: Uh, let me get to one more point here. Pete Carroll was asked about Gerald Everett after what was a stellar game by Everett, and most especially Dave, you mentioned this earlier in the show, the idea of Everett breaking tackles, pushing through guys, dragging guys. Uh, Carroll says, quote, it just screams that we have to keep going to him. I'll go to both of you, but Dave, I'll start with you. Uh, if you could – Just show this team like a clip of Everett or like if you could point to a moment that you saw from Everett where you thought, let's play like this, like, let's see more of this. Is there a moment that comes to mind?
1: Yeah, the other day uh, he had, (laughs) he broke three tackles and the one of them was, I think is it number 97. I'm trying to remember who that was a big defensive tackle inside dude war daddy as Mark Schlereth likes to call him (laughs) and you know, he, uh, so he steps out of the first one Breaks the other one. I think it was Isaiah Simmons. That guy comes, and he ends up ducking and twisting out of that one, and then he just gets tattooed by Thompson. The the safety comes up and just kills him. You know, so he because he's trying to break these other ones, and this guy's just beating. He's got a beat on him, knocks him on his tail. He gets up and celebrates and runs back to the field. I mean, that uh, to the to the huddle that gets everybody fired up, and you know, and that's the other thing, like. I saw a couple of guys on the sidelines get fired up about it. And, yeah, you know, and high fives and everything. But, like, I feel like the whole team should have been over there. Like, that's Without how question. we need to play. You need to play with passion, with anger. I mean, I was, I was angry <laughs> after – I mean, it would take me like an hour to calm down after, after a game. You, you have to play that way.
2: And uh, I'm, 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 I'd love to see that. Mm. I'm not really seeing that. Yeah, to me, that is the ultimate sign of buy-in, and that has been one of the staples of of a Pete Carroll-led program is the enthusiasm, the energy, the juice that is conveyed from the coaching staff that permeates to the players and permeates through the leadership. And then that expectation is that it manifests itself on the field in every aspect. And so when you look at some of those things that are a little off, that aren't uh, normal to what you're seeing with this program, it does remind you that they are 3-7. and It does remind you that – There are things that they are trying to work through, but in these next seven games, I don't know how Pete Carroll, and this is Stacy, why we talked about his coaching style and how how it manifests itself in difficult times versus times of, hey, always pointing to being optimistic and always pointing to the chance that's in front of you. Can you get these guys to continue to play hard, continue to believe, continue to play with great enthusiasm and passion? Um, and energy, and, and uh, you know there are certain guys that do show it, Gerald Everett being one of them, but you would love to see that collective excitement happen on this team, and I can't help but think that a big reason why that has not happened has been the offense and the lack of production that you've seen from this offense. Um, And if they could get that going, I do think that you see some of that come back.
0: You are listening to The Huddle. We've got back-to-back-to-back-to-back experts joining us to continue this preview. We're starting with Robert Turbin next. Don't go anywhere. This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We are joined now by NFL analysts who can hear him on the Seahawks pre- and post-game show. It is Robert Turbin. Turbo, what's up?
7: Hey, how's everybody doing?
0: We're good. I mean, it's a, it's a Wednesday huddle, obviously, given Thanksgiving. I, I You know what I'm going to do? Before we get into any football talk, I have to ask Turbo the absolute best Thanksgiving side because we're in a big disagreement here on the show.
7: <laughs> Are you guys trying to decipher between macaroni and cheese?
0: Or, you know, like, I would go mac and debate? cheese. Okay, I would go mac and cheese as a second. I said stuffing as first. I said stuffing first. I
7: I would go with stuffing. Stuffing is Thank mine. Thank you. That's my answer.
1: Jake and uh, I hate stuffing and and also Stacy says that it's <laughs> that gravy is not considered like a
0: It's not a side.
1: A side
2: or it's, anything. It's of not. course it's it is. Like
7: ketchup. It's not a side. Thank I agree you. with no, Let's bring
1: on Turbo.
2: You can't you can't week. have every Thanksgiving week. without gravy. <laughs> it is the quintessential the aspect of a Thanksgiving best meal. Best
7: I've ever had on the yeah, but you're not gonna eat gravy by itself. Thank it's gonna be you. on something. That's like maybe. That's like yeah, like for me, I like I like stuffing, right? But I have to have cranberry sauce with it. But I wouldn't say cranberry sauce is like a side
2: by itself. Well, I I agree with no. you because you don't put cranberry Robert, on everything. You 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 put gravy on nearly everything. Robert, yeah. you're it's making too
0: much sense for Jake right now. He can't
7: handle. I know
2: it. I'm making too much sense. I'm uh, sorry. All right. <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, Dave I think
1: now away. I think lesser of turbo. No, I don't no, want it. Never, never. Oh, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. All right.
0: Oh, uh, so, man. so let's go ahead and, uh, and look ahead to this game against the Washington football team. It's going to be on the road. Uh, while we have you here, I'm actually really excited because I, I wanted to uh, get your opinion about Alex Collins, just, uh. You know, From, from someone who kind of knows what the game should look like, what do you make of him uh, just as a whole? And a, a question that Dave asked us earlier that I thought was great, I'll throw it to you, is can this team really like win with Alex Collins as a starter?
7: Well, I think given the opportunity, yes, they can win with Alex. I think uh, the thing that we've seen with Alex throughout this season is the more opportunities that he has throughout a football game to carry the ball uh the better he gets. He actually gets better as yeah. the game goes. He tends to start to find his rhythm uh once he, you know, starts to get the, you know, a big uh chunk of carries and get some carries, play after play, you know, some plays in a row. And so with that I think you can win.
1: Well and Turbo tell us about that as a running back because you know I've I've said this before about Alex Collins. I think he's a rhythm player. And you mentioned that word for a running back, how important is that? And then how many how many carries do you need to get into a rhythm?
7: Yeah, I think it's gonna be different for everybody. That's a good question. Every back is different and everybody has a different running style and it and and it takes a different uh you know, everybody's different as it pertains to how the game comes to them. But I think for Alex and for me, I was like that too. The more carries you get, the better you start to feel a good rhythm and have a good uh, sense of what the defense is trying to do and how they're trying to stop you. I think uh, once you get to about double-digit carries, and that could be 10, sometimes that can be uh, 12 or, or, or 15. But um, I think even more important than that is getting carries in a row. Yeah. You know, first down, second down, third down, and that's how you really get to gauge uh, how different defenses are game-planning against you uh, and trying to stop you.
2: Now, Turbo, when you look at this team and you look at the offense and, and everything that they have struggled with, it's it's really frustrating and hard when you don't have an identity. And, you know, the Seahawks offense, it's it's been very perplexing and confusing because, all right, you know, no matter if you're struggling or, or if you have guys injured, as long as you have an identity, you know what you can fall back on. And, you know, Turbo, can you just speak to as a player what that means in, uh, for everyone when they have a firm understanding as to what the, what their offense is supposed to be centered and focused around?
7: Yeah, I mean, when you have an identity, you know you know who you are. We you know who you are. You know what you want to do and how you want to attack. And then you avoid, from an offensive uh, perspective, you avoid defenses dictating what it is you can and can't do. You know, a team that has an identity, uh, a lot of times in these meetings that, that we're having in our game plan is, yeah, you want to adjust and make adjustments to, what your opponent is doing uh, to you, but you don't want it to completely dictate how you're going to run your style of play uh, offensively. We're talking about offense right now. Uh, and so we have an identity. It doesn't matter. We'll, we'll sit in these meetings and, and we'll say, you know, uh, you know, this is what we're going to do against them uh, as opposed to saying uh, this is what we're going to do because they do this. And it's just a different mindset um, and a different approach when you know who you are.
0: Hey, Turbo, I think when a team has three wins, a lot of pretty solid play by certain players gets overlooked, right, because the whole team is struggling. Is there anyone um, – it could be on on offense, but I was assuming defensively, or special teams where you look at him and say, you know what, this guy's doing some good stuff right now and not enough people are talking about it.
7: Yeah, you know what, um, I think D.J. Dallas is returning the ball well when he gets the opportunity, putting the offense in good uh, field position. Obviously, our punter is – chaining the field weekend and week out. He's doing a fantastic job and special teams. It's funny. You mentioned special teams and I go right to special teams because it's the easiest part of the game to overlook. It's so easy to go offense and defense real quick, but I think our special teams, aside from a few missed field goals has overall been really solid for our team and giving us good field position um, offensively. And then, Uh, You know, obviously the rookie was really impressive, Trey Brown, before his injury. But, you know, to come back from an injury and not even really play in the beginning of the season and then get an opportunity and perform uh, the way that he did uh, before going down is is pretty impressive, especially for a rookie. Usually rookies need a lot of practice time uh, or more practice time than others. Uh, And then to not start the season on the field can sometimes be really tough to just jump in there, you know, a quarter through the season. So for him to be able to do that and play the way that he did, I thought was really impressive.
1: Hey Robert, I was uh, I, I had to hang around and uh, listen to your guys' post game show in person because I locked my keys in my car. But uh, not because he I, wasn't happy to. He, <laughs> but you know, one of the the things that um, that we were just talking about, I think you guys were talking about it in the post game. Um, Gerald Everett, uh, just that uh, the the one where he breaks two, three tackles, he ends up getting plowed on the play, but I mean, he gets up, he's fired up. You've seen him against Green Bay the last few weeks. Like, that guy's playing with a lot of passion. And, you know, I was thinking that that's something that I feel like you should put that tape on. And that's how I'd like to see this team play. But, um, but I don't know, what do you think this team just in general is missing? Because you've been on some really good teams. And, you know, I was just looking at, uh, at your numbers in and, and 2012 and 13, And you've been around some really talented players. What do you think this team is missing?
7: Yeah, I just don't think they have the continuity right now. You know, you mentioned Gerald Everett and how he runs with so much passion. It's, you see so many great individual efforts, but, you know, for some reason those individual efforts haven't, haven't been able to, you know, kind of come together as a, a collective one. And, um, you know, that's why we're in a lot of games, and then we struggle to finish uh, because we just don't have that connectivity Uh, And so, you know, there's one thing where you can play with a lot of passion. uh, And I think from an effort standpoint, our our, our guys are are really playing hard. uh, But we just lack execution, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, that's why we can't finish games right now. All right. He
0: is Robert Turbin. You can hear him on the Seahawks pre- and post-game show every Seahawks game. But don't forget, this one's on a Monday. Thanks so much, Turbo.
7: Stay hungry, guys, till Thursday
2: at least. (laughs) Thank
0: you. All right, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel, joins us next on The Huddle. Don't go anywhere. This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Ross. Joining us now, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Hey, Rabes, how's it going?
8: Good, Stacey, how are you? I
1: like Good. that we played Insane in the Membrane Just kidding. Uh, for Rabel as the, uh, as the bumper music. DJ, what are you doing? What?
0: No, I what thought we were going to get crazy here, you know what I mean? Like, have a lot of fun. Dave said he what? likes that your intro song was Insane in the
6: Membrane. <laughs>
8: Yeah, well, well, I, I've never heard of that. Who 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 did that? Somebody certainly not from my era. It wasn't. If it wasn't Rosemary Clooney or Bing Crosby, I don't know it. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: if it wasn't 1950s Christmas music, I don't know who. It oh is.
8: shoot. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, Braves, I'm going to start with uh, obviously maybe a, a quick look back at this past game. It's hard to find much of this season to really love or really be happy about. But if you are going to look at one positive they can try to build on, is is there anything you can think of?
8: Wow, well, I will um I'll, I'll, first of all, you got your quarterback back healthy. That's one thing to kind of continue to build back on. He's not, he's not there yet, not completely. He's healthy enough to play, but uh, and I know when he said after the game this week, somebody asked him about what about the rust, and he said, there is no rust. Well, you know I mean it, it, I think it's, it's kind of apparent that there is some rust out there, uh, a little bit that you know you're, you're human, and, and it's okay to admit that. Uh, missed on some throws, maybe didn't get a couple of the reads that that he would have liked to have gotten. But all in all, considering what's happened, that's what you build on. you got your all-world quarterback back. And, uh, yes, it hasn't been what anybody likes, and it's certainly what no one would have expected, especially since he's back on the field. So you start there. Uh, I'll go with one of the guys that Dave always talks about, Gerald Everett. I mean, this guy has proven that he can play. He is just not to be tackled. And so he sort of sets the tone, I think, for the offense. And in the style of offense, I believe that Shane Baldwin wants to play. The tight ends are very important. Those crossing routes, those underneath routes, those uh, release routes out into the flat, a little wheel route. Keep those guys involved because a guy like Gerald Everett can turn a small play into a big play. So I like both of those things on offense. And on defense, I sort of like the the pressure that the big guys are starting to get up front. I don't know that we'll ever be a team that can generate – Four man pressure. Uh, we just don't have any of those kind of superstar sort of athletes on the on the edges that can can do that. But we're doing better job at getting some pressure on the quarterback. So I'd, I'd look to both of those areas.
1: Hey, by the way, Rabe's. I had a uh, a moment. You know, there's that commercial. Don't become your your parents or whatever. And yeah, I, my, uh, I'm I'm becoming Steve Rabel because I did a podcast with uh, Turbo. And he goes, yeah, you know, I've seen you around doing radio, but I had no idea you played. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I go. You know that old man I work with, Steve Rabel, he ran a 4.3740 at one point. So, yeah, I'm becoming Steve Rabel, and uh, it actually feels pretty good, man. It feels pretty good. Good, good, yeah.
8: yeah. I was just at the grocery store a little while ago, and a young man who was bagging my groceries said, uh, so did you start in television news? Yeah. And I said, "Well, no, I actually started in sports." Oh, what interested you about sports? I said, "Oh, because I played for like for my whole life." Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, no. the kid is the kid is like twenty years old. How would he know? You know, I stopped playing before his parents were born. For crying out loud! <laughs> oh.
1: I know. I hate that now. Kids, the the guys we're talking to are born after my career. Oh, they're going to be in the two thousands. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but hey, uh, this week, uh, Rabes, Tyler Lockett after the game. I don't know if you heard this quote, but he was saying how what we're seeing on film is not what we're getting. Like, basically, he was saying that they're showing they're not doing the they're not playing the Seahawks the same way they play other teams. I, I don't know if you heard that quote. I'm, I did. Yeah. I, I, what did you think? I mean, did you to me? I, I didn't really know what to think. I thought that could mean lots of things. But, uh, you know, I don't know if it's derogatory or what he meant by that. What, what did you make of it?
8: Well, it, I, you know, I heard it when he actually said I was in the room there on, on Sunday after the game, uh, listening to the guys chat afterwards, and it, it caught me by surprise as well. And I'm I'm not sure that Tyler meant it the way he said it, the way it came out. Um, you know, these guys are prepared. I don't I don't have a whole lot of doubt about that. Besides, there's only so many things you can do and show uh as you get ready for football games. I and they've seen Arizona a lot. They know what the Cardinals do on defense. So they might have thrown a couple of you know, a couple of new little wrinkles in there or something like that. And maybe it happened on a play or two that seemed to make it stand out more than uh than otherwise it would. But I, I you know, Pete came back afterwards and said, Well I'm not sure what Tyler was referring to but as he said, Pete said, I think on Monday, no, we, we sort of expected, we, we knew what they were going to do, and they kind of did it. And then I heard uh, Matthew talking this morning, Hasselbeck, and uh, he said basically the same thing. He said, I don't know that I saw a whole lot of new, uh, so I don't know. I, I just kind of chalk it up to maybe a little bit of frustration um, yeah. and, uh, and and completely understandable. But I I think these guys are – I mean, I I think game plans are being drawn up and and they're looking at enough film and all that. I think it just comes down to one word, execution. They're just not executing the offense uh, the way it should be.
2: Raves, I'm right there with you, and I echo uh, Pete, Russ, and Matt for that matter. I mean, studying these guys, I didn't see one thing on there that really was a big surprise in terms of what they did and what they tried to do. Uh, from the Arizona game plan. But from Tyler's perspective, it can be frustrating to walk into a situation and say, here's our game plan, or, for example, uh, you know, the, the calls that are made on, in the red zone versus what they actually do and what they've majored in for years and years, and, and or the things that they've worked on in the off season They don't actually get called in a game. I mean, you know, I, I, I do think that execution and game planning – uh, does come into a factor there, and how frustrating that might be to go into a practice and feel like you have the answers and feel like you' you 've got the right plan as a player and then to not see those things manifest itself in a game
8: yeah uh, absolutely and and it and it affects everybody differently you know Tyler Lockett is about as as uh, much a team player as anybody i I, I can think of uh, he is a He is a very thoughtful person uh and and we all know that he 's just an incredible fearless football player Uh, and you know if if he was if if he believed that's what he saw that if I'm the offensive coordinator if I'm the wide receiver coach I want to sit down and talk to him and tell me uh, Tyler what it was that you saw tell me what we can do how how can we make sure that this doesn't crop up again anything because I'm you know I'm I'm all in on Tyler Lockett I think he's one of the best Not only players, but people that I know. Can I throw a quick story at you, uh, Jake, real fast?
4: Of course. Talking
8: about not being prepared uh, or being underprepared. And I go back to my rookie season, 1976. We're playing the Rams down in the Los Angeles Coliseum. And they had a guy named Dave Elmendorf who was a safety, a free safety. Nolan Cromwell was their strong safety, former coach here under Mike. And we come out, and we're trying to move the ball down the field, and they're, they're you know a really good team, Jack Youngblood and Fred Dreyer. I mean, these are great players, and we can't do anything. So we're trying to throw the football, and uh, we had a quarterback who was a former Detroit Lion named Bill Munson who was playing at, toward the end of the game, and he called a slant route to my side. So I run this slant, and I get hammered before the ball ever got there, and Munson screams at me about, hey, you should have broken that off outside. The safety blitzed. And they did a lot of that that game. And I said, I had no idea. First of all, I didn't know to look for it because we'd never talked about it. And in the locker room after the game, Jack Patera came over to me and he said, that was on us. We didn't prepare you for that. We didn't think they'd do it. We didn't prepare you. That's not your fault. And it never happened to me again. I was always aware. But, you know, guys are, they really want to try to do the right thing. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that Tyler is doing the right thing. Talk it over with your coaches. Now let's come out and execute.
0: He is the voice of the Seahawks. Steve Rabel joins us every single week for the huddle. Rabes, always a pleasure. Have a good Thanksgiving.
8: Thank you. You guys, too. Sorry I took up all my time telling an old guy uh, story. I, no, that was great, man. it was man. wonderful. Love that. Loved it.
1: Save some for Sunday, buddy.
8: <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> oh, well, I'll be there Monday, but if you Her. want to show up on Sunday. I'm, I'm, he'll
1: I'm be fine. waiting for you.
0: He's, he's that excited. See
1: how he is. I try to be nice to him, yeah. and he, Sticks it All to right, me.
8: happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> Same to you, you. Ray. Say
1: hi to Sharon.
0: Dave, uh, Dave, a listener says, if it makes you feel any better, Dave, I'm keeping your playing career memories alive by introducing my kids to Tecmo Super Tecmo Super Bowl for the NES. You'll live on in <laughs> <Yeah>. our house.
1: <laughs> I remember my kids telling me That's it's awesome. Awesome, uh, that I coached. Yeah and Did then and that? then uh, somebody told me at one point um, because they delineate yeah. that, they said you're black in uh, on tech mobile and I was like awesome <laughs> yeah, th- that's, that's cool fantastic <laughs> i mean it was uh, it was that that to- time of listener, year you're uh, living on forever yeah mike uh, the kids that i was coaching at uh, redmond high school yeah they were all playing tech mobile and they're like and i'm like how am i as far as the tech mobile ratings Ooh, like, go. Right. and they would give me like a 3.4 out of five or whatever <laughs> i was like oh come on man <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh
0: <laughs> all right we're was... going across enemy lines for an opponent preview next on the huddle don't go anywhere You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jay Keeps, and Stacey Ross. We're going to cross enemy lines here for an opponent preview of the Washington football team with John Kime of ESPN. John, how's it going?
6: I'm going all right. How are you guys?
0: Uh, well, not great, John. Uh, no, it's it's fine. We're all having fun. Everyone's happy heading into a holiday weekend, and obviously there's plenty to be grateful for with this team, even if it's been a really, really tough season. And we're all still trying to figure it out here, but honestly I'm still trying to figure out parts of, of Washington's team, specifically the defense. What's been going on on that side of the ball this year?
6: Well, I'm kind of trying to figure it out as well because there's been an abrupt change, but the reality is early in the year, there were there were you know you look at each group individually a defensive line even though as talented as it was you still had some young defensive ends that chase young about sweat and while I thought individually several of them were playing well collectively I didn't think they were playing well as a group and doing little things that might be better for team football rather than individual stats um, that has improved the secondary had a lot of new parts that you had Landon Collins coming back from an Achilles injury, but he'd only played like four games, four or five games in the defense last year. So he was kind of new, but, you know, coming back from an injury. Then you have Bob McCain safety, new. Um, William Jackson Corner, new. Benjamin St. Juiced, a, a draft pick, new. So there were a lot of new parts to mesh, and I think it took him a few minutes to get the trust and communication down. Now what you see, and the other thing is, they're playing Landon Collins more as a traditional safety where he was back a lot, sometimes up in the box. Now he's a little bit more probably like, for a lack of better comparison, like more of a Jamal Adams type where he's kind of playing a more, much more of a hybrid role. And, you know, sometimes linebacker, sometimes safety. That has made a difference. And so I think the safety play has been a lot better. The linebacker play has been inconsistent. But I think you, when what you're seeing lately are three different position groups each getting better, but especially the front and the back end.
1: Hey, John, tell us a, about the personality of Taylor Heineke. He looks like he's a scrappy guy. I mean, we're looking at his numbers, but as far as his uh, his personality, his leadership, what he means to that team.
6: I mean, he plays with... He's got a little bit of a swagger for a guy who was an undrafted free agent and who was on the in an Old Dominion University classroom a year ago at this time. Yeah, And... So when you, when he's been an underdog his whole life and he's always overcome it. So I think he kind of plays with that little bit of a confident swagger, knowing that you may underestimate me, but I always come through in the end. That's kind of how he plays. And I think that grit, determination, whatever you want to call it, does rub off. Now, he's had to grow into being a leader. I wouldn't, I don't know that I'd call him a great leader at this point because I don't think he's played enough to be that. I think if he, de- I think he could develop into one down the road. But right now, I think what you're, you know, I think for him, he's only started what eleven or twelve games in the NFL. So, but I think he's becoming more of a leader. Whereas, I think guys are starting to trust him a little bit more um, and see what he can do. I mean, he definitely got away. He definitely gets away with some things on the field where you're a little bit surprised, like, well, how did he not throw a couple more picks in that game? But the last few weeks, he's been really good. I think some of that stuff is starting to build, and you, you do see the mindset I think guys gravitate toward.
2: Now, uh, you know, one of the things that you look at as well when it comes to the Washington football team that has really been impressive to me has been how good they've been in the in, in their rush defense. I know they've struggled in the passing game, but what what has been one of the big reasons why they've been so good in that area specifically?
6: Well, I think... I, you know, the defensive line has been good. John Allen has been terrific. Um, Chase Young was not getting to the passer, but he was playing the run well. Now, obviously, he's out for the year now. The, one of the guys who replaced him is James Smith-Williams, who is good against the run. So you start there. I think, I think what you're seeing are what you see a lot of too much of in the first part of the season are two guys in one gap, which means that one gap is un, unfilled that's where the back would hit. So you're getting, you know, you're seeing less of that. Some of that is you have a rookie linebacker in Jamin Davis who is getting better, and yet a second or third-year linebacker, Cole Holcomb, who also is getting better. Neither one of them is a true middle linebacker, and I think that sometimes gets them in trouble. But I think they've done a better job at reading and being in their gaps. And I think the last thing with that, I go back to the secondary, Landon Collins, has done a really good job in the box area, and I think that's made a difference as well.
0: Hey, John, just a hypothetical here for fun. Let's say that you were to tell someone who is playing this team, like an opponent, how they could beat the Washington football team. Asking for a friend, what would be like maybe a weakness or maybe a plan to do that?
6: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would – first of all, you want to keep Taylor Heineke in the pocket. He's not a pure pocket passer – He's going to hurt you. He's a little bit like, you know, I mean, he's certainly not Russell Wilson, but you know that Russell likes to get out of there and he can create these dangers outside there. Well, so is Heineke. You know, he can extend plays and get away from guys, keep them in the pocket. I think if you stop the run game for them, get them in a lot of third and longs, then you're you're going to be okay. And they've done well running the ball the last couple weeks, more committed to it. I think then with the run game commitment, you want to get ahead. And I think I would still test, like, early in the year, you could test a secondary deep. There was always a blown coverage. I think I would try and get target William Jackson with in their in-zone coverage because that's a weakness of his still. Um, and, you know, I would probably get – I don't know if, you know, you have to have the run game, but um, get them moving a little bit and maybe some shifting and all that to test their gap discipline on the run game.
1: Hey, John, uh, we were talking. I was raving about uh, Ron Rivera. I actually uh, played against him when he was at Cal and I was at Stanford and was telling how much these guys, how much I always respected him. And, you know, he just, he's kind of become the, I feel like he's sort of the savior of the franchise just because, you know, you thought about Dan Snyder and, you know, however you feel about that. uh, I I just feel like Ron Rivera kind of overwhelms everybody with. Just his honor and just the the way you know he's such a such a good man. It, it feels like he's just the ultimate leader, and is kind of d- does this team kind of reflect him?
6: Um, to a degree, I think it does. I think one of the things he he obviously came into a very difficult situation. I mean, yeah. I think it's a difficult situation anytime you come here as a coach because they, there there isn't a foundation of success typically. But it was obviously a lot harder for him because you come in, you got, first of all, you got the pandemic, you have the rise, you have the name change, then you have the the sexual harassment stuff. Um, And it was one thing after another. And to calm and steady the ship during all that, and you don't really have a quarterback that's like, you know, I mean, there are other franchises, they're probably in disarray, but they have a great quarterback. And so maybe it doesn't matter. You know, you don't see it quite as much. So I think some of this stuff stood out. But I think, I think his approach, I think he has a very consistent approach with his philosophy, with his, um, dealing with players. I think that helps. Um, I think he doesn't, you know, he's, he's really good at not calling them out unless he gets to a point where it feels like I've got no choice, but it usually takes a long time to get there. And he's usually working with the player behind the scenes before that. And, um, so I think that all I, so I think there is a reflection of that. And I think there's, you're starting to see a little bit more too, because I think guy guy who's a former linebacker, you expect him to coach a tough team, right? Yeah. I think they're becoming a more tough, physical team lately, and so I think that's probably a little bit more of a reflection of his personality as well.
0: He is John Kime, covers the Washington football team for ESPN. John, thanks so much for joining us today.
6: Hey, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.
0: Yep. Have a good weekend. All right. Joining us next for our final segment, Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle. We're going to get some final updates from him, and then share some final thoughts before we head into a holiday weekend. Don't go anywhere. Good. Looking forward to a lot of Thanksgiving meals, even though there are horrific Thanksgiving food opinions on this show <laughs> that, that we don't need to call out. I mean, it's okay. Oh, I
2: want to hear. I okay. Hear well, sure, bad. sure. What's you the don't worst? have to. Give uh, me the worst uh, okay. one. Well,
0: here's uh, the worst one. David and that, I no. think.
2: David and I think that right. gravy is the. Quintessential aspect about no, it. No, 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 no.
0: You are not phrasing this correctly. Jake <laughs> said gravy is the best Thanksgiving dish, to which J- to which Dave agreed.
1: Well, I'd say it's the most important.
2: Yes, thank you. It's
1: I mean you can't really, eat dry it, turkey, boil
2: Thank
4: you. You just right, can't. You can't thank eat dry turkey. You. It's important, but it's basically a glorifying cogniment.
0: You could have Thanksgiving Laurified without gravy. Condiment. It wouldn't be as good.
1: But. Oh my God! Believe me, boy. I like
4: gravy, and it is important. But it's not its own dish. You're not going to just sit down and eat some. Well, maybe you would, but I'm not going to sit down and just eat some gravy. If
0: if if turkey and let's say like potatoes are like the offensive defensive lines, you got to make sure you have those. Like right, like turkey is like in the trenches, then the 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 gravy is like you know you're your. your Number one top tier wide receiver. Do you need no, no, that? The gravy, you need gravy that?
1: <laughs> no, Gravy is Russell no, Wilson. Gravy is Russell Wilson.
2: Both of you are fighting What is what you will do yourself. You will take the gravy and yes. you will put it all over your Thanksgiving That's right. dish, That's right. Absolutely your turkey, right. your mashed potatoes, Correct. and maybe something else. Because it's that good and that important to a Thanksgiving yeah. meal. Yeah, and
1: like
4: I, I guess I would I would say this for me to consider something that dish. It's something you could eat theoretically on its own, and I'm not going to grab a spoon and just eat some gravy. Well,
0: yeah, we're but not it, speaking for wine. It's
1: here. still really important, and I would say just like Russell Wilson, it covers lots of warts, covers some of the bad food, it covers everything. Well,
0: let's start with Russell Wilson here. Well uh, here, John. Uh, he hasn't had his best stretch of games. Been been a little up, a little down, uh, and he's usually. A model of consistency. Are there any common themes that you're finding in some of his struggles?
4: Um, you know, I I don't know about common themes because I think, you know, in that first game, there's just some more uncharacteristic throws that are just uncharacteristically off. And we saw a little bit of that last week, but you go back and look at some of the throws that they weren't connected on. He was like, that deep ball to DK Metcalf, I mean, you can question the decision because it was well covered, but that was a damn near perfect throw, just launched downfield like what we're used to seeing with him. So, you know, I think physically it seems like he's getting better and throwing the ball well, but obviously it, you know, the numbers show it wasn't a good game for him or that offense as a whole. You know, there are some times the receivers could have helped him and weren't hanging on to balls. There are sometimes maybe he didn't see things or just didn't get rid of it in time, leading to sacks or incompletions. So I, I think the blame can kind of be spread around. But when you just talk about, you know, some things that looked a little more concerning in Green Bay, I thought his throws just sometimes looked more off, whereas he looked better just throwing the ball which i think you know big picture wise when we're talking about the improvement they need to see offensively that to me that part's more encouraging
1: hey john uh, i'll ask you the same question we I asked rabel and i just uh, i like to hear everybody's opinion on what you think tyler lockett meant uh when he said and and pete clarified it because somebody asked him about it and he goes well you're assuming he's right but you know tyler said we're not seeing the same defenses they're not playing us the way they they play other teams what what did you take what did you make from that
4: it is interesting because you know he said that and then Russell Wilson kind of said that wasn't as much the case Pete Pete Carroll I I think he was just kind of more being glib with that you know you assume he's right because then he followed that up immediately and said you know I'm not going to speak on that because I didn't hear exactly what Tyler said so I don't think he was saying that necessarily to to give Tyler a hard time or anything but um yeah you know obviously there's some things defense are doing that seem to be confusing the offense because it it has been a struggle on third down as everyone in the world has noted has not been good at all so um you know I don't know maybe Tyler Lockett just sometimes sees things a little differently than other people and that's fine as long as they're all on the same page and it's working and you know they, they got a lot to clean up and I I don't read a ton necessarily just in those comments, what's been said by individual guys, but, you know, the the overall body of work
2: needs to improve for sure. John, this is the first time that they've ever been in this situation. It, 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 you know, Pete Carroll, John, uh, Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, a lot of these, you know, older veterans here in Seattle with this particular organization having to really talk about a 3-7 and team with really, you know, hardly any playoff hopes uh have you noticed a change or a a different tone in the way that they're talking the way that they're conversating uh to the media as they not post game but now once they're starting to to talk about the media and the the way that they're getting into their week uh, day-to-day you know preparations
4: no and I think that's a good distinction because obviously post game people are going to be more down and and more frustrated right after a loss but no, in terms of what we hear from players, you know, during the week, both this week and last week and after other losses, I mean that's a big part of Pete Carroll's messaging and I think a big part of what has led this team over the years to be really good year after year is they're really good at putting the past behind them, good or bad, you know, whether it's coming off a big win or a loss or just focusing on the task at hand. You know, the players we heard from today, guys like Bobby Wagner and Ryan Neal just seemed, you know, really positive and everybody's still got the mentality of this team still has time to turn around. We can win a lot of games. Carol even made the comment of he was asked about three and seven affecting the future of things, him and Russell Wilson, all that. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm more interested in how going seven and zero is going to affect things. So everybody here is still confident. And the question is, you know, have, have they dug too big of a hole to get out of, even if they do get hot.
0: Very last question here. Trey Brown, uh, going to have season entering surgery, already had surgery. It looks like, yeah. um, and, uh, so I'm, both disappointed and pleasantly surprised I'm disappointed for him and how his season ended but pleasantly surprised because I'm shocked that I'm asking you a question of without Trey Brown what what's this group going to do for for depth and kind of what's the look of the group moving forward so uh who are some of the guys that you're looking at thinking okay it's really on him now
4: yeah it it is really unfortunate to I mean as you said nobody necessarily coming to the season expecting the fourth round pick to come in and be a starter and do everything he's done. He's been so good. So it is a blow to lose him. You know, the assumption is Sidney Jones is the next man up. He was actually starting in that left cornerback role before Trey Brown took over and he played well last week, um, you know, starting that game for DJ Reed and then moving over, taking over for Trey Brown. So, you know, he's the guy there. The question then becomes, you know, is DJ Reed able to get back this week? Pete Carroll did say he would practice today, but there's no injury report, so they don't really have to give a lot of details until the injury reports start coming out tomorrow with a Monday game. So, at, you know, it's pretty obvious if, if Reed plays. We're looking at Reed and and Sidney Jones. But if Reed can't go, then you probably have to get Bless Austin going again. You know, Pete Carroll said he was solid in that first game. It was his first time out, so he'll have room to grow. But, you know, those are kind of the, the next guys up right now.
0: All right. He is com reporter John Boyle. Uh, John, have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week.
4: Thank you, happy Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving to you all. Thanksgiving. Happy
2: Thanksgiving, John. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't we humor will. them, John. Don't oh, humor we will them.
0: All right. he is John Boyle and wrapping things up here. Uh you guys, it's 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 gonna be a really tough one against the Washington football team because it felt tough for Seattle to get wins this year, but we know they have it in them. So uh for Dave Wyman, for Jake Heaps, I'm Stacey Ross, you guys have a wonderful and safe holiday weekend. We're thankful for all of you listening. And don't forget it's gonna be a Monday night game, this one against the Washington football team. This has been the huddle.